If music be the food of love, play on. Hello, you musical masticators. I am India. Hello, you musical masticators. I'm Izzy. I'm Alexia. And this is If Music Music Be Be the the Food food of Love. (laughs) Again, we got that on point because Grace and I did it as well. And it's when you lock lock eyes with the other person, you can actually get it in unison. But that was gorgeous. Thank you so much. It sounded beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So each week we take an album and we compare it to a dish that we believe signifies the flavours and the sounds of both the music and the food. We look at a range of artists and food from all over the world and we give you guys a history of the musician, the album and the food as well. We appreciate all of you guys who listen to our podcast. Thank you so, so, so much. And yet again, I'm going to say it. If you guys have any suggestions, please just reach out to us. Drop us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram is at if.musicbethefoodoflove. So just, yeah, drop us a message. Send us some love. We, We just... We love collaborating and we really want more special guests. I mean, we've already had, you're our third special guest, Lexi. That's so exciting. I know, and we're so honoured to have you. It's just really exciting to get other creators and other human beings talking about their passions, whether it is musical food or other things, because you have something very, very cool to talk to us about um, as a creator. So yeah, this this is Alexia, guys, aka Just an Art Fanatic. And what do you do, Lexi? Tell us about yourself. Hi, guys. I'm Alexia, also Lexi. And I study history of art. And I'm in my final year, just like Izzy. Yeah. Doing my dissertation. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's <laughs> stressful, if I'm completely honest. Um, <laughs> but I also have an art blog called justanartfanatic.com. I talk about exhibitions, artists. And it's basically a space for me just to talk about the thing I love the most mm-hmm. in life, which is art. When, when did you start the blog? I actually started it in my first year of university because I was really impulsive. Cool. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Why not? Because I, I really want to be an art critic. Mm. So I was like, I kind of need a portfolio. Yeah. Just thinking about the future, you know? Mm. Um, just wrote an art blog. Is it yes. Have you, have you read it? I, I need to read it. <laughs> I literally, do, I, I'm going to read it tonight. I promise you. It's only, it's <laughs> only three minutes, guys. The good thing about my blogs is they're nice. They're short. Short and sweet. Sweet, you know? Exactly mm. how it should be. It's about... Mary Wollstonecraft, the mother of feminism, and yeah. her statue by Maggie Hambling, and how I think it is a setback for female monumental sculptures. I actually so, have heard about it as well. There's been a lot of controversy a lot of, in a the media. Lot of controversy about it. And where exactly is this sculpture located? It's in London. It's in Newington Green, which mm-hmm. is kind of where she grew up and where she lived for the majority of her life, and where she set up a school actually for no educating women. Oh my gosh. I know, amazing. Yeah. Amazing woman. Oh, wow. So this week, in light of Valentine's Day, what a day, can I just say. I also feel like in light of COVID, celebrations are just like, they're so big now because obviously the mundanity of each day, we have to have something to look forward to. So Valentine's Day in um, our household, because Lexi and me, we just said, why don't we just make a big deal out of it? Make a Galentine. It was a yeah. Day. So shout out to all my single homies out there. Woo. <laughs> Valentine's Day. It, it's a strange. It's a strange one though because it's very commercialized. Um, I don't even know what Why we're celebrating. 
Like, I, why does it actually exist? Does it is it do, exist to make me feel as lonely as possible? Don't say that. <laughs> it's something to do with Saint Valentine. I only know this because I watched a rom com and they actually like were taught at school. It's like an American rom com. Oh, it might be Valentine's Day the film with Taylor Swift and like all the different actors. And there's like a scene where they talk about what Valentine's Day is actually celebrated. And I was like, does anyone actually know what this day is about? And it's just yeah. another day to say to someone appreciate people yeah, around you and buy say a card, yeah buy a card some and drink some wine yeah that's exactly, what, exactly we did. what we did it was so lovely we listened to loads of music made pancakes and then we had some pasta some red wine played yes. some games oh, that was it was amazing. very very wholesome it was a very wholesome evening mm-hmm. exactly so in light of that basically we thought oh, what about another themed podcast because who doesn't love themes <laughs> And so we've decided that this podcast is all going to be about love, romantic songs. And um, obviously India is still living across the pond in America. Shout out to her. I'm missing you. Please come come back to me. Um, but she's also still going to be able to collaborate with us because obviously we've got technology now. Um, so she's going to be able to record a few songs and talk about that. And Lexi and I are going to talk about a few songs. And basically how we're going to break down this episode is we've decided that we're basically going to kind of create like a date night meal. So India is going to dive deep into the drink and the starter of the meal whilst Lexi and I are going to talk about the main dish and Hello dessert. Hello all. So, as Izzy said, I am still across the pond. I'm very sad that I can't be there with Lexi and Izzy to chat about this incredible episode with two equally incredible women on love, music, art and food. But I shall be sharing my own opinions and my own songs and... um food by myself which feels quite fitting for an episode that is quite so focused on love um but by hopefully the next episode I shall be back in the UK which I'm very excited about um and we're really sorry about the delay on this episode coming out we've just been completely swamped with life and uni but no excuses we shall be back to our routine schedule for the podcast from this point on. So get gassed again. Um, but so yeah, so for this episode that is love, um, we are kind of looking at it from food and music that incorporates the love element into it. So love songs um, and food that's like for sharing and it's quite sensual and has this I guess this connotation of love and relationship um or even sex to it uh so yeah but I will say this you don't need to be in a bloody relationship to enjoy both the music we look at and the food as a person who has been single for the last 20 years um (laughs) i can proudly say that you don't need no man nor woman to enjoy good fucking music or food um and sometimes you can learn the most about yourself when you're on your own and how fucking amazing incredible you are but if you do have a person in your life then you can enjoy these meal options and their compatible song together um so yeah this is our episode and to start it off, 
Um, we're actually going to start with alcohol this uh, week. So this week we're starting with the champagne. Um, and the song that is champagne to us is the phenomenal I don't say that lightly. The phenomenal I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. So enjoy. If I should stay I would only be in your way So I'll go, but I know I'll think of you every step of the way. And I That was Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Just imagine, you're sat there before your starter or the main meal, you're listening to some good music with a glass of bubbly just by your side. So the champagne is absolutely the iconic and beautiful song I Will Always Love You from the Queen herself, Whitney Houston. This song was originally done by Dolly Parton, excuse me, Dolly Parton, another iconic singer, but for me, I think it's definitely defined by Whitney's vocals, which give me goosebumps every time. And I think that's because, like, Whitney's vocals are that sparkling element of the champagne, the bubbles that kind of just make your nose tingle a little bit. And also, this ain't your average champagne from the offy round the corner, man. This is the good shit. This is the champagne. You bring out solely for special occasions, like a date night. Even if it's just a date night for yourself. Because we all should treat ourselves, people. Anyway, back to the song. (laughs) So, I Will Always Love You was released by Whitney in 1992. And she actually recorded her version for the film The Bodyguard, which she also stars in with Kevin Costner. And, oh my god, that is... (laughs) such a good film that will make you 100% cry so if you want to have a cry on your own or on your date night you could watch that but that's totally up to you again um but yeah so that was released for the film and then it spent a record-breaking 14 weeks in number one for the billboard hot 100 but i honestly that just i mean the fact that it didn't spend longer surprises me because it's such a 
phenomenal i'm saying phenomenal again but it's such a phenomenal song and it's beautiful and it's raw and it's just got it's just such a strong song her vocals just rain through and the power behind it is i mean it's just it's phenomenal i i haven't it's just yeah phenomenal <laughs> phenomenal once again um but my parents both love this song and this is just like a little anecdote but um my mum told me that her dad who was <laughs> not fond of uh, western music when they moved to england um but after he heard the song he said her voice was the most beautiful voice he's ever heard of a western woman and it is it's impossible to try and dispute the raw emotional element of her voice it just it comes through and I mean I I don't think I've ever seen or heard it again since and it's just it's mesmerizing I think her voice is mesmerizing and it just has this irreplaceable and you just can't ever repeat it or see it again on another musician it's just so unique and her I mean it's such a defining voice and the moment you hear it you know it's her and the song itself is such a beautiful song and the lyrics the voice the instrumental all of it just comes together beautifully to create this kind of symphony of everlasting and undisputable love I think that um is just perfect for this week's episode and as I said the champagne is this very I think it's a very you know perfect drink um for special occasions and that's not just for like a date night or that's you know commemorating some form of love event or something that's happening in your life I think you know you can have champagne on like a graduation a birthday if it's a sunny day champagne just has that kind of celebratory element to it when you want to just feel up and happy and just yeah it's got that it celebrates happiness in all its forms and love is happy at times that sounded really dark love is happy I mean it's also sad sometimes but it is happy um and I think Whitney's I will always love you is the champagne it has that pop element that is kind of like the bubbles um in and I once again say really good probably expensive uh champagne that's definitely straight from the champagne region in France um as I said, it is not some sh- shit champagne. Um, Whitney Houston's is that fine ass champagne that is just beautiful, beautiful tasting. It's a perfect kind of little ting when you drink it from the bubbles. Um, but yeah, we always get this uh, when we go to France. My family have been going to this uh champagne place called espazi so it's espazi champagne um that we always get and they have it in red and they have it in white and i mean for me it's the best champagne i've ever tasted um and i yeah i'll drink any champagne but 
Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You to me is the Espazi champagne that my parents buy. Um, and we used to drive to France and we'd like have the boot completely empty. And we go, we'd fill the boot up with boxes of Espazi and then we'd uh, drive back to England. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was uh, the champagne and it was Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Um, a song that's just will survive for years in my view um but so yeah uh that was once again I'm gonna say again that was Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You which was a champagne to start your meal off get you a little bit excited get the bubbles the tingles that slight little bit of high no it's high is not the word but just to get you going before you get on to the starter which is the oysters um so the oysters so this is Marvin Gaye's let's get it on Let's get it on. Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On is the oysters on multiple levels, in my view. So, firstly, um, oysters are considered an aphrodisiac, which means it supposedly gets you in the mood. And if any song screams getting the mood, getting in the mood, it's Marvin's Let's Get It On. I mean, literally, just the introduction there just instantly creates this atmosphere of sex. Um, so this was released in 1973 and every time you listen to it, it just, I mean, it does, it just makes you feel good. It's the music. I think it's Marvin's voice. No, don't think. I know it's Marvin's voice that just instantly screams good times in every shape or form. Um, and his vocals in every song he has created just leaves you wanting more. 
more um so oysters are arguably one of my favorite dishes i do fuck hard with oysters um and it's a rogue one and you i think it's one of those dishes that you either despise or you love kind of like marmite but i fucking love them i just i mean it definitely depends where you're having them and whether they're actually good oysters because you can get a bad oyster which is not the greatest sensation um but if you're having good oysters it's such a vibe it's such a dish it's such a meal i love them so much um there's this place on broadway market that my brother took me to a couple years ago in london um and they sell just oysters on the street which are delicious and then you've got borough market also in london um which sell again incredible oysters if you're in new york where i currently am um my dad took me to this uh i guess patisserie or brunch place lunch place dinner place a restaurant essentially um we went for brunch it's called pastis um it's down in meat packing uh it's a nice it's a really nice place the food there's also phenomenal but they had some great oysters um which were just absolutely delicious um and key thing about oysters is the sauce now you can go the classic route which is the fresh lemon which you squeeze onto them and with a little bit of tabasco sauce well actually i like to put a lot of tabasco sauce but if you don't want too much spice maybe i guess a little bit of tabasco sauce but if you're feeling fancy on your little date night you can either do a horseradish and tomato sauce which gives that spice again because i think you really have to have spice and i'm partial to it um and i think it's just like like that complementary aspect of the spice and the lemon and then the oyster itself and it's such a hard shellfish to describe um sorry and now finally you can also do a shallot and vinegar sauce which my brother particularly loves i haven't actually had a shallot and vinegar sauce on my oysters i've done the horseradish and tomato and lemon sauce and that's when it's like that was like pastis actually and it's definitely got that a uh, bit more fancy you're at a restaurant eating your oysters whereas the lemon and tabasco sauce definitely feels like a bit more just casual you're probably by a body of water primarily the ocean having your oysters um and i'm definitely got a specific memory in mind the first time i had oysters with my dad and it was in a little village in france close to the border of uh spain and collier is what it's called if you're wondering and there was this little market right by the beach and there was this old lady just selling oysters that were freshly caught in the morning and it was just i mean it definitely probably created the love for oysters that i have because it just felt so fresh so raw and like delicious um and yeah i just i i absolutely loved it and that was with uh fresh lemon and tabasco um so this is a sexual song and oysters are a sensual dish um in the connotation of ordering them as an aphrodisiac in itself 
Um, but they're also reputed to be full of vitamin E, which is a sex stimulant. And it increases desire, interestingly enough, while the process of eating oysters are also quite an intimate shared moment if you're with someone. And it also allows so much debate over which sources you should have. Um, because it's like, do you go for this source? Do you go that for that source? And I guess it creates conversation. Although if you're eating them, conversation may not be on your mind. If you know what I mean. Sorry. Um, but yeah, that's... that. I, I do, I do love oysters. And I think definitely try them. I think you've got to give oysters a try. I feel like they a lot of times get kind of like a bad reputation almost. Um, but they're delicious. At least give them a try before you decide you don't like them. And also something you can come round to, like my mum wasn't a fan of oysters. She had them quite recently um, and she really enjoyed them this time. Um, But it's taken her a a while. You know, she was adamantly disgusted by oysters and now she doesn't seem to mind them. In fact, she quite likes them, if I may say so, on her behalf. Um... (laughs) But uh, yeah, so oysters, I think, give them a try before you decide if you don't like them. But they do have this very strong sexual connotation behind them um, because of their, because they're seen as an aphrodisiac. Um, And I think that's really interesting comment on food as this kind of sensual act between people. yeah, this actually there's this really interesting read. Uh Salvador Dali's cookbook is called Les Diners de Gala. Um that sounded French and Spanish at the same time. But yeah. Anyway, it's kind of it has a section on aphrodisiacs and sensory element of taste. Um and I think what's quite fitting to Dali's cookbook <clears throat> excuse me, is like the surrealist element to both his artwork and uh, this cookbook and it does it reveals the sensuality of food and also the act of cooking as well and this kind of imagination exotic part that can be found within food um there's this kind of there is this innate pleasure and sensuality that comes with taste and eating and even creating the food itself and i think oysters is such a great example of that sensuality and desire um that comes with food that sometimes quite gets overlooked quite a lot but it's definitely there um and I think I think you see that kind of um playful sexuality and sensuality in Marvin Gaye's music especially let's get it on with the music and the the vocal element of Marvin it just has this playful atmosphere to it it's, you know it's fun sex you know has it's got this kind of background and element to it I guess I'd say um which is I I just love the song and I love that kind of I mean just fun that comes with it I mean before we had Whitney Houston which had a quite more emotional raw uh sad uh love that was being defined in the song but I think Marvin Gaye's is a lot more upbeat is a lot more naughty, a little bit cheeky, um, playing around with, you know, 
the music and uh, the vocal part of it and I think that's just a lot of fun to have and I think oysters do definitely have that playful element to it this kind of I don't know if it's like cheeky or naughty quite the way that let's get it on is but it's definitely got this I don't know I think they're fun to eat man just the way you kind of just suck and swallow well that sounded very yeah but yeah it's kind of got this um uh playful element to eating the oysters that I absolutely love um that you I didn't mean yeah just I love oysters and I love let's get it on so that was Marvin Gaye's let's get it on which was the oysters which is the start of the dish um and that okay so let's imagine you've had your oysters and let's get it on as played and you're actually going to make it to the next meal. Um, so then we have the spaghetti meatball dish lined up for you. Um, so let's give that a listen. In light of that, and in spirit of the main dish, um, we decided that we're going to do spaghetti meatballs. Of course. However, though, I am a vegetarian, so I'm afraid we're going to opt out for the meat and change that to <sighs> no. some kind of veggie <laughs> alternative. Yeah. Apologies in advance. Yeah. So, yep, it's not a meaty meatball. It's going to be a vegetarian option, which is still delicious. Yeah. Love the veggie, veggie options. The environment. Exactly. And we also felt like when we thought about the main dish, we were like, oh my gosh, Lady Lady in the Tramp. One of my favorite Disney movies of Mm -hmm. all time. Exactly. And um, anyway, so we feel like this is symbolic of Elvis Presley's um, Can't Help Falling in Love. So, here it is. Enjoy, guys. Wise men say Only fools rush in But I can't help So that was Elvis Presley's Can't Help Falling in Love. What a tune. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous, isn't it? It just honestly makes me want to cry every time. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like his vocals perfectly encapsulates the feeling of love. Like just that first idea of falling in love at first sight mm. even though i've never had it that's how i would imagine it to be yeah you know what I mean? oh my honestly love at first sight for me as a thing i'm so amazed by it i know do you think imagine it just well i think it's, it must do i know i think it's if you haven't experienced you're like oh come on like yeah. the, the inner cynic comes out of you and you're like yeah but like <laughs> actually though but 
I think you can be infatuated at first, like infatuation, but I think that's always happening. I feel like I, during COVID, I'll go to the bloody supermarket and lock eyes with someone and be like, well, hello. <laughs> that moment of eye sex is yeah. just something that, you know, Literally. you need right now. Um, so with regards to this song, it's actually a cover. Um, so this was a cover by Elvis. It was released in 1961. And yeah, what's really interesting is that the original, it was written in 1784 by a Bavarian-born composer, Jean-Paul excuse my pronunciation, Egidi Martini. Um, um, and it was actually an adaptation of a poem that was from a novel um, written by Jean-Pierre Clarisse de Florian. Yeah, and we feel like this is the main meal because like spaghetti and meatballs, which is a classic dish, this is mm. just a classic song, a classic romance yeah. song, like a love story. And it kind of provokes that idea of the irritability or no the irresistibility that's the word I was like I thought it was like the irritability of falling in love yeah, Lex that's a typo yeah. <laughs> which kind of reminds us of that scene when the two little doggies lock eyes when they've got their little strand of spaghetti in their yeah, mouth yeah yeah that's the, the cutest that's the, scene it's the cover of the movie too it's just mm-hmm. I just I love it yeah it's cool it's beautiful so sweet it's so cute <laughs> And I also feel like with this song, it's got a sway to it and a lot of fluidity. Mm-hmm. It's bouncy. I feel like I can imagine myself just kind of floating, mo- floating yeah. around on the dance floor, um, which I think is like the spaghetti that's slipping and sliding <laughs> in your mouth. And you've also got Elvis Presley's voice, which hubba hubba, like... The king indeed. Yeah, the king, the king of rock. It's it's um, velvety. I love the word. I, I'm constantly using the word velvety when I'm thinking about like soul and soul jazz singers. But mm-hmm. he's got that velvety touch with the rock, which I love. And also this deep like reverb and baritone voice mm-hmm. that is so resounding and really like grand as well. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's just, yeah, I... I don't know if anyone will be able to have a voice like his. There's just so much like tonal quality to it as well. Yeah. Like, he, just, he just bounces his pitch. is insane in this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and I were talking about how he, it's because the floaty essence to it, but he just hits the high notes with such ease. Yeah, and like the richness of that, like yes. deepness to his voice too. Mm-hmm. And also we were, t- with regard to our spaghetti, um, our spaghetti bolognese, we were like, that is so important, especially when it comes comes to cooking up a vegetarian version because mm-hmm. of the lack of meat we've got to have a great sauce it's got to be bagging and i'm sorry but what's better than an authentic italian passata mm-hmm. <clears throat> i'm also italian <laughs> so uh, honey is i know how to cook an authentic okay, only one. quarter but still that's enough for me to know a good passata when mm. i try one <laughs> and um and you know as as you said meatballs are not made of meat so you need more flavor and texture yeah and you need more substance otherwise it can be a bit bland yeah and a bland pasta dish is honestly one of the most irritating things i think as well with regard to that with especially sauce would you recommend cooking it for a way longer time because you've got to get no, those flavors it's, I out think it's or... all about the importance of the passata a really good mm. one that you can actually get at some places i think you can buy it in tesco's is muti like it's not the best but it's a lot better than any plum tomatoes you're going to buy. Mm-hmm. And I guess also whack in some really great plum tomatoes, chop them up and... Yeah, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Good olive oil too is so important. Make it big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like extra virgin olive oil. Spend a bit more money, trust me. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. it. <laughs> what else are you going to be spending your money on at the moment anyway, so... Yes, dude, literally. And I, we were kind of saying um, there are many layers to this song mm-hmm. and they combine together. They just kind of like... Intermesh and combine it into such a great 
like it's it's incomplete and they all come together and it's just so whole and there's different textures which is like that of the emotions of the song yeah definitely Mm -hmm. and there's so many emotions that are provoked through this song yeah like how we were saying in the beginning it makes you want to i've sat in my room listening to the song bawling my eyes out (laughs) it's but it's also just dude that's so true as well okay with this song as in any love song but especially this one you can listen to it when you're infatuated or falling in love, but you can listen to it when you're heartbroken yep. and be like, oh, love hurts. Because love is a painful journey, my friends. And yeah, it's not an easy ride. I think that's, yeah, there's a paradoxical element to love. It's can build you up, break you down. I said that in one of the other podcasts, but it's just like so many things go with love. Yeah. Anger. So when you say, every, yeah. Every emotion under the sun can go into love. Mm. Because um, love can drive you crazy. Yeah, you could go obsessed you with it. You a psycho. You can also go the other way and just become, I don't know, like, I don't know, what's the opposite of psycho obsession? Normal. Intra- yeah, <laughs> normal. <laughs> Not us. <laughs> yeah, we have we have um, specific love la- love language, don't we? As yeah. Well, we both, similar, we both similarities wear, between us we both, both. wear our heart on our sleeves. Yes, we both don't love we? love, which mm. sucks. <laughs> it hurts. It's not great i also think with regard to kind of the complexity of emotions in this song um through researching this song it was so interesting because a lot of composers and producers because this song has been covered by so many artists mm-hmm. a lot of people have said that there's actually a haunting quality to the song yeah, it's, co- it's covered by that girl called Haley. oh i don't something. know if i've heard it the cover is really, really beautiful, actually. It sounds almost Christmassy when I first listened to it. Yeah. I forgot her last name. It begins with R. But like you were saying, that was covered quite recently, I think in the last six years. Mm-hmm. I know Ingrid Michaelson does one mm-hmm. and she's like an alternative folk artist. Definitely check her out. And it's so interesting because each voice, each person brings a whole other perspective to the song. Yeah. yeah. But then when you go back to Elvis's version, it's just, it hits at a different level. Mm-hmm. And it will it's affect also, anyone in different ways. I, I have a thing about it because it's a man singing that it seems to get me more than when I hear female covers of it. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's that idea of like being in fact, having a man infatuated with you in that way. Mm. It's almost painstaking, mm. the thought of it. I don't know why. That is really interesting. Based on the gender of the singer, does it affect your, yeah. Yeah. And also your sexual orientation, obviously, exactly, as a heterosexual you know, cisgender yeah. woman. Mm. That's kind of something that comes across when I listen to it. Yeah. Maybe if I'm just wanting someone to get down on one knee and sing that song <laughs> to me. The way Elvis does it. Yeah. Um, the way that Presley, he delivers a song, it's raw, it's authentic. And um, what is also a fun fact for the day for all you listeners is Elvis, he did 29 takes of this song. 29. 29 because he wanted the breathing technique to be so on point and as we said when you listen it's like woo mm-hmm. it's just he slides into those falsetto pitches and you're like what like what we were saying it was a, it's a continuous momentum this song is like there's no stop yeah it just keeps going it's like a river just keeps going and flowing uh-huh and the sway to it as well yeah. whilst he's slowly kind of his lyricism over the top yeah you almost feel like you could be sitting on a rowing boat just being washed down i slowly. love that metaphor hey yeah, hello. <laughs> um and f- before we also would really like i'm i'm just gonna prompt you on this because you had a really cool idea and it's just so awesome to collaborate on this um with regard to your art and yeah so Tell the listeners about this piece of artwork that you feel is symbolic of this song. So we were, I was just kind of 
thinking about this and I saw the painting actually already compared to his um to his songs so I'm not going to take full credit but it's mm-hmm. so it's such a good relation it's um a painting by an artist called Pierre Auguste Renoir who was an impressionist and he is his painting is called Lovers and it's mm-hmm. really beautiful and the impressionists are known for their kind of vivid and animated brush strokes and there's a sense of lyricacy behind their brush strokes ever moving yeah painting in plan air, which is the idea that they were painting on scene so they were trying to capture life in its in its move movement in a way of movement so essentially not static yeah and it's so i they mean were, as a viewer you're viewing it and it, you can see the wind you can see yeah, you can yeah. kind of see when you understand the kind of brushworks of an impressionist you can see this through like monet you've got the monet in your mm-hmm. in your flat yeah so that's that kind of idea and in the painting there's two figures the female and the male and the male figure is looking up at the woman with just a sense of adoration and just total infa- infatuation mm-hmm. whereas she looks past him in a kind of disregarding manner and there's a lot of blue tones in the painting and we were kind of talking about it and saying that in it presley's song it's also melancholy in a way you yeah. know there's this there's an underlying sadness to it mm-hmm. maybe which is the hauntingness yeah, of it exactly maybe is that yeah. that idea of like you know love sometimes not being a two-way thing sometimes mm. you're in love with someone and they're not in love with you yeah dude it's really that kind of comes across in the painting too yeah there's two sides to it the two sides to love yeah flip like whew. i think as well i don't know this for sure mm-hmm. but bring out whacking out my music gcse but um I, i'm guessing i don't know what key the song is in but i'm thinking it's probably a minor key because a major is light and happy you've got c major and when you listen to minor keys it's got a bit of a discordance to it and i think as well with the melody of this song mm-hmm. bringing out that melancholic side would make sense if it was in a minor key but to, please do not take my word these words for fact because izzy could be completely wrong she could have forgotten her music she says here i mean i've forgotten a lot but um that's my little bit of music knowledge which i think is really cool with the idea of the blue tones in yeah. your piece in art. of art yeah, yeah. In that piece of artwork yeah, it's really interesting. Kind of like that whole blue phase that Picasso went through as well. Yeah. Sadness and stuff. And you kind of, I don't know, the in, in Presley's song, it's just, I know it's maybe it's exciting, the idea of falling in love, but it just, why is his song so sad? Yeah, so even the, like the song, Like a river flows, Pono, surely to the sea. That's my Elvis See, song. <laughs> that's, where, that's where that river yeah, came from. The river, yeah. But then it's like, darling so it goes some things are meant to be and it's sad like yeah. you think when you're saying that some things are meant to be you could say it in such in, a happy way but the way he sings it mm, there's darker undertones to it some all some things are meant to be is insinuating that some things aren't basically yeah <laughs> uh, you heard <laughs> it right it, here to put it bluntly <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh we sound so well we're not we're being so cynical no it's i think this is what's it's, so it's great the truth you know yeah when it's when thought provoking completely when analyzing music like this i think this is why music is so powerful is in just the production and the lyricism you're able to feel the two sides mm-hmm. to love yeah which this is, is why awesome. i love music and art because yeah they're meant to make you feel mm-hmm. and there's this whole idea that when you so when you listen to a song Yes, lots of people get the same emotions, but you can also take something new from it. Each per- it will affect a person in a different way. Interpretation. The same way, yeah, when you yeah. look at a painting, how does that mm. make you feel? Because some people could look at works by impressionists and stuff and think, oh, actually, that's just so lively and colourful and brilliant. 
but mm. other people would see a sense of you know sorrow to it it's yeah just dependent on the person exactly and um we're gonna wrap this song up in a bit but i just want to say definitely check elvis presley out if you haven't i mean i think most people have heard of him he is a living I, I'm yeah hoping so. i'm hoping so yeah i don't know <laughs> i mean um he is like the king you know the king of rock and roll and he was a very very like the, one of the biggest influences on the music scene um he was also just kind of a pop icon figure Mm-hmm. He had the swanky looks, the the really sexy dancing, the sideburns. Mm-hmm. Did a bit of acting as well. Yeah, no, because this song was featured in the movie Blue Hawaii, which came mm. out in 1961, which was his first movie, fun fact, after he came back from the army. Yeah. I never knew he was I, in the army. I didn't know that either. Crazy. I know, weird. The only fact I really like, it's always the, 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 like his death, isn't it? Everyone mm-hmm. goes, he, because he, was it, was it from a drug overdose? Yeah, something. I think something, something drug, illness. drugs, and no, alcoholic, heart failure, heart failure mm-hmm. which was a result of his um, addiction. Yeah. yeah, prescription drugs. Yeah, maybe. I'm not entirely sure. But his life is very interesting, and I think as well, Indra and I did touch upon this um, in one of our earlier podcasts when we talked. I think we maybe just spoke a bit about Elvis because he's just so influential mm-hmm. to all music. Um, but he like he had this really unusual and it was a new unique music style he had those kind of like provocative hips he used to dance in the coolest way and his good looks as i said but he also made such a big contribution um to music and it's actually quoted i found this on a blog and um this writer was saying how Elvis, he kind of introduced young white America to the music that had been fermenting in the black subculture since Louis Prime Louis Armstrong and he stimulated in an enormous young white public, an appetite and readiness for the real thing. There is, although, a lot of controversy um, to do with Elvis, um, um, to do with the, um, his music and its influence, and there are actually like a few like contradictory responses um, to do with him, because a lot of people argue that, um, sorry, I've got a thing in my throat. <laughs> it is a long line of, of white exploiters of black musical culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also very interesting because um, it's leaving an argument where because he is a white man and he has taken some of that musical inspiration from African-American culture and he's profited off it more than possibly other that reminds yeah, me of the other situation. African, other African American individuals, especially during the '60s and the civil rights. But that's still going on today. Like talking about Chidera Guru. Yeah, the same situation's happening with her. If you look it up about her and Florence Given, it's quite. It's interesting that it's 2021, and this is still occurring mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah, but I mean, I obviously I can't speak on this. I don't know enough about Elvis, but I think it's really interesting. So definitely read up about it. And also mm-hmm. even um, James Brown, the kind of godfather of soul, he was best mates with Elvis. And he said, no, he kind of completely disregarded that and says no, there was an actual appreciation that Elvis had. So there's obviously two responses, but I think it's just very interesting with regard to the music industry and also kind of the influence of African-American culture because they have, it's it's amazing from jazz to rock and roll. Um, it's embedded in it's cultural heritage. Like completely. Of the Western world as well. It's rooted. Same with art, primitive yeah. art, all taken from Africa. Yeah, and from rooted. different countries in Africa. So, and we just took it and adapted it and made it our own apparently. Yeah, without giving any... Um, appreciation or benefit to the people that really like it's just wrong it's so wrong and it needs to change Mm -hmm. um 
so that was Elvis Presley, Can't Help Falling in Love. Yeah, and, and that was the main meal of our dish. Meatballs. Meatless yep. meatballs. So moving on swiftly. So for the next the next dish, we have got the dessert, which I think is very, very significant, especially on Valentine's Day, because Sweet. when I think of Valentine's, you think of chocolate. Uh-huh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. Who doesn't love chocolate? Oh, I'm, I yeah. love chocolate. I'm obsessed with that stuff. so excited. Mm-hmm. It releases loads of endorphins as well. <laughs> That's exactly what you need on Valentine's Day. Exactly. So we feel that um, we're going to be talking about chocolate lava cake for our dessert. And to simply put it, if you guys don't know what a chocolate lava cake is. Because I didn't when Izzy first told me. To yeah. <laughs> I was like to go, if you guys don't know what it is, I feel sorry for you. But you did know once I, I showed, I once I described it. it, it sh- a lava cake. Makes sense now I think about it. What would you have called it? It was just like some cool chocolate cake. Gooey. Gooey. Well, yeah. Okay, so that's that's how we would describe it to listeners. A chocolate lava cake. Yeah, simply put, it's a gooey chocolate cake with like a molten centre. So basically, if you were to get your spoon and just kind of open it up, it melts out onto the plate. But yeah, there's this gooey substance. Honestly, it's like... out. It's such a perfect uh, encapsulation of food a food orgasm to be honest it really is it really is it does make you horny (laughs) (laughs) whoops slip there no but it's like also just doing the action is really satisfying and then obviously eating it's the kind of thing that you kind of record Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean oh and then we we, we did say we had to add the vanilla ice cream yes we do feel that vanilla ice cream is very very significant otherwise Um, it's a bit overwhelming yeah Mm. but we will explain that later but anyway this is lauren's hills um, can't take my eyes off you. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You be like heaven to touch. I wanna hold you so much And long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you Caught in the way that I stand There's nothing else to compare The sight of you leaves me weak There are no words that to speak But if you feel like I feel Please let me know that it's real you're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off you I want to I love her. I she is up there with one of my favorite all-time singers. Same. Mm-hmm. My goodness. What yeah. A goddess. Goddess. <laughs> I don't think there's another. What word a to goddess. Describe. What a queen. And this song was released off one of the most groundbreaking albums to ever have touched my soul. And it was also the earth. The earth. The earth. The earth. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And the album is notably The Miseducation of Lauren Hill and it was released in nineteen ninety eight. 
and it has inspired so many people. R&B music, hip hop. I mean, actually, to be honest, every, for me, because of its influence also, especially when this album first came out, which is really interesting, is she was the first hip hop artist to win a Grammy. Mm-hmm. And the first one, which took about five, five. in 1999 yeah. at the Grammys. And what's so cool as well about this is it wasn't strictly just hip hop. It was a fusion. <laughs> I got another text again in my podcast. But basically, I was going to say is it's a fusion of neo soul. Like there's so gospel. There's so many elements to this album which makes it so much more inspirational and groundbreaking. Like it, you can't just slip it into just one genre. Yeah. And as a woman as well on the hip hop scene, I think it is just insane. It's just a revolutionary piece of work. So definitely, if you guys haven't listened to the album, please check it out. And this song obviously comes off that piece mm-hmm. of work. And also, this is another cover. Yeah, another cover. Yeah. Cover of Frankie Valli's tune, which came out in 1967. Yeah. Another cover for another love story. I know. What it's interesting. Coincidentally, we've taken covers. I don't think it's coincidental. I feel like that's just love songs in general. They're just mm. repetitive because there's not much else to say. <laughs> but I think every song has some bit of love it's in it. It's the same with love stories and movies. Oh, you've same got that. Ending. It's very archetypal. Yeah. Yeah, because everyone wants the same thing. Mm. You want the person to run to your house at the end of the movie with flowers going, no, I actually love you and <laughs> I will never hurt you again. La, 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 la. Oh, no. Or you want the, the ending scene when the rain's pouring down on you and, then and you get to kiss, kiss in the rain. like the notebook. Oh, oh my. What, what a, a movie. Oh, my gosh. We should have watched that last night. I know. Actually, no, that could have been dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Tears. Tears. Floods of tears. Honestly, oh, it's goodness. crazy. I think as well, what's really cool is this song, um, apparently it's one of the most covered tunes. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Ever, like, and so many different artists have done it. And just like Elvis Presley covering Can't Help Falling in Love, mm-hmm. this song as well, you've got Lauren Hill on it, but there have been so many other covers. Every time I first hear this song, like not exactly any any song that's a cover of this one. Yeah. I always think that it was first done by Lauren Hill because this is the song I always come back to. I always mm. forget those people before. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Same I think Presley, as well. Yeah. I guess, it, but it is just your personal favorite, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm guessing. Because it's your own, your own opinion. Um, a fun fact for the day again is Hill recorded these impeccable vocals. Apparently she was like lying on the floor eight months pregnant and was she also the um producer had just played the track for her and she didn't didn't really prepare just was lying on the floor and was like okay and just did it i think that demonstrates the power of women yes and how women we're just multifunctional beings aren't we mm-hmm. i mean and a I'm lot not- of and also very spiritual beings yeah definitely. this is what gracie and yeah. i we have this like divine feminine energy and I genuinely, oh, I feel sad that I didn't include Lauren Hill on our Divine Feminine podcast, but well, we're, she would have talking about her now. Talking about her now, but I, yeah, when I listen to her as well, she's got, it's, she's very, very spiritual. She has these, it's kind of like soulfulness when she sings, and mm-hmm. you can feel everything that she's speaking. And she's, I don't know, really like existential. Yeah, definitely. Every time you talk about fe- divine energy and feminine energy, straight away. Sampa the Great. Yeah, we did do Sampa. Yeah. Exactly. 
And I think Lauren Hill as well has really influenced Sampa. Yeah, she did. I remember her saying that when we saw her at Boomtown. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And she did a, she did a cover of one of Lauren mm-hmm. Hill's songs, which was, is amazing. I think that was probably the best set we saw at Boomtown. Oh my gosh. The Windmill Stage, if festivals ever open again, I would highly recommend if you ever go to Boomtown, go yeah. into that stage because there are some real gems there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've now got to bring it back to the food because yes. we've kind of gone on a tangent. So what do you think about um, the lyrics and the vocals of the song? Like, what do you think that is? So we were saying lyrics and vocals are like the gooiness, mm. the core yes. of the, what are you calling it? The lava cake. Yeah. So when you put that spoon through the middle of that cake and that oozy, gooey, chocolatey richness comes out. Yeah. Those are the lyrics and the vocals because we can all say that there's such a richness and depth to Lauren Hill's vocals. Yeah. And they're always impeccable. I saw mm. her live two years ago. And even live, she just, she sounds exactly the same. Yeah. And I think as well, I was saying, when I listen to Lauren Hill, I get that melt in your mouth sensation, which I think is the gooiness. But then there's also that richness to her voice. Like, yes. Oomph, yeah, that almost. power. Yeah, power. And she's able to effortlessly control it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really... But the, it's also there's that sense of tranquility especially with this song more Mm. than a lot of our other songs yeah we also um think that we've got to have some vanilla ice cream with the cake yeah just because it's also really hot like i whenever i have a chocolate lava cake i'm always like i'm first to go for it i'm like yeah ah," bite into it straight away and i burn my tongue you don't want cold goo I know, but I, 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 I'm so impatient because yeah, I see so it and I'm like, get in me now. So, 100%, 100%. so the ice cream levels it up, which is great. Yeah. And we were also saying that some people do prefer cream, Yeah, the, which personally I think is completely bizarre <laughs> because it's already one of the richest desserts out there and to have cream, like, are you trying to get gout? So ice cream. I do like cream though. But of course I- you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sorry unpopular opinion over here Lex just, you know the coldness detracts away from how hot and rich the pudding is yeah and we feel that this is the beatboxing it starts mm-hmm. like boom I also love this because I love the rawness of the beatboxing it yeah. feels like I'm in the room with her yeah and the kind of juxtaposition between the beatboxing and mm. her voice in this it's song. also this cover as well in comparison to other covers of the song it's really stripped back and I love it like that yeah yeah it you really know is. it's super simplistic it is just what it is but I love it because I think you focus a lot more on the mm-hmm. vocals and the lyrics yeah because it's also the kind of the melody of it it's all very much the same throughout the whole song mm-hmm. so it's not drawing out on too much but I feel yeah. like it's completely relevant and necessary for this song yes and then we were also speaking about, okay, what's the cake on the outside? We were struggling with this one. We struggled. We did, indeed. And we kind of thought, there's a really, like, I, you have to have it in headphones. I don't know if you, if you, unless you've got some sick speakers, but there's this little bass going boom, boom. It's going like, and it really brings the piece together. Mm-hmm. It kind of, because it's so simple and stripped back, that bass keeps it, the momentum going yeah. and almost holds it together just like that of yeah, the cake. Yeah, it coats it. Ah, oh, I love that. There you go. There we go. There you go. Yeah, because obviously without the cake, it would just be some gooey stuff on a plate. <laughs> With the ice cream. Oh, uh, here's your dessert. Yeah, like, here's some goo. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I love, I really actually would love to learn to play the bass. I think it's the really cool instrument. Like, boom, 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 boom. Well, it's kind of like scattered off in the background. You've got time. I know. Perfect time to pick up a hobby. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Motivation. Yeah. Where are you? 
I also love how many times she says baby and I need you, baby. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. And we also, um, Lexi and I, this lyric. I, this is my this is my favourite one. Yeah, you'd be like, heaven to touch, I want to hold you so much. The idea of holding someone or have, being held, that tactility. Yes. It's just so exciting. Which people, especially now do we not need. have yeah dude like i was reading this really great book called this <laughs> such a classic third year thing that i'm doing but it's a it's a book called the stress solution <laughs> and um i just heard about this doctor this doctor Rattaji on a podcast but he talks about one of the most important things to diminish stress is touch mm-hmm. and he, he even says like go if you're working or if you're going to the supermarket or if you're with your friend just touch them on the shoulder and it will release endorphins and even that having that tactile touch really grounds a, a human yeah, being but obviously right now keep two meters away from everyone yes, of course, so yeah that goes out the window but the good thing about being a student is we live with people so mm-hmm. it makes it slightly more bearable yeah I, I was I was like I was trying to think I was like okay I was about to go yeah um, and if you can't touch anyone just touch yourself <laughs> <laughs> promoting self love Izzy Molden yeah I mean why not it's why not? perfect time to do it it re- it definitely will release some endorphins yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some stress mm-hmm. um so I just want to talk more about Lauren Hill um just to give a little background on her and especially the miseducation of lauren hill it's her only studio recorded album yeah first and last first and last it's quite sad, which is actually. Uh, yeah as a lauren hill fan it's gut-wrenching yeah, it is you an want amazing more. album mm, though. it it's is a story it really is yes what's your favorite song I th- mine is the classic one don't hate me but do whoop that thing yeah yeah that yeah. song makes me want to dance like I will put my headphones on and just dance around my room to that song because it's mm. just like, mm, you know. I I really oh my gosh my voice I really love tell him okay tell yeah. him oh I'm like yes <laughs> um but what's really interesting is why this album is so revolutionary I t- I touched up upon it a bit earlier but it's really important especially the date that it came out because when it was released it was a year and a half. Um, Oh, a year and a half, sorry, a year and a half before it all came out, hip-hop as a musical culture, it had kind of lost its big rap, gi- rap giant. So, like, the um, Notorious B.I.G. was murdered in 1997. You had the death of Tupac in 1996. So, as a kind of genre of music, hip-hop was really kind of lost in its um, symbolicness and its identity. It was kind of straddling the line between... Um, mainstream offerings and other artists but it's kind of leaders who are kind of bringing it to the forefront Mm -hmm. of the industry obviously yeah died and like all of this stuff was happening and then miss hill as well as a woman on the scene yeah is super revolutionary in that sense because it's also as a genre hip-hop is yeah it's the phallocentric culture it's very predominantly male orientated and a lot of hip-hop artists you listen to what they're saying and it's Mm. all objectification of women Mm. to be a bit cynical but it is yeah so for lauren to come through and do this and make her mark the way she did and my goodness did she make her mark but what's also mental as well is when she won the grammys one of them was in the in pop music really yeah and her in her acceptance speech she came up and she was like thank you but this is crazy because this is hip-hop guys (laughs) like what 
Um, I mean, she still got a Grammy, so yeah, exactly. She just she just absolutely aced the game because she kicked pop stores. Pop doors. She's like, yep, I've I've got pop, but it's this is hip hop, and she kind of also yeah brought it to the forefront as a leading lady as well, mm-hmm. which I think is is so monumental, yeah. and what's so what's so great as well is like I listen I'm listening to like listening to grime artists so there's this um, grime artist called Wretch 32 mm-hmm. and he always talks about the miseducation he goes I'm listening to the miseducation and he says that in one of his albums it's all about like charting his journey to music mm-hmm. and he literally said that like the miseducation of Lauren Hill is what got him started on his journey really? and yeah what's also really cool is, is in, an, in, in an interview they said so what does the miseducation of Lauren Hill mean and it's so interesting because she said like it's learning through your relationships through your hardships and through your mistakes she's like and i loved it because when you think of the word education i think it's very institutionalized you think about book learning exams people telling you okay you're academic but i love this because the miseducation is like she thought she knew what was going on but she had to go through the hardship the happiness all this stuff and she came out of it like wow i didn't know a lot about myself and now i do mm-hmm. also the word miseducation in terms of being a woman is so relevant in our society because we're mm. already we're already trying a new wave of women has now emerged like i'd say our generation and hopefully it will get stronger and stronger but we're trying to you know re- get rid of those stereotypes that women have with other women that yeah. men have with us you know mm-hmm. there's so much underlying misogyny that has been going on for centuries that we're trying to unpick and get rid of slowly so the mm-hmm. whole idea of miseducation is basically how we've been brought up you know almost how we've been taught what being a woman is is Complete. now being completely yeah. stripped down finally and we're being fed these horrible stereotypes you know, and i think rules men that also are have governing too, us you know there's also that dude literally it's so interesting male as well. identity is also in many ways completely distorted and a bit weird and it's not fair this is um michael foucault this french philosopher talks about this idea of like biopower politics yeah. which it's kind of scary because it's this idea as human beings subconsciously we've taken in information about mm. our identities which is going to change our sexual orientation our understanding of genders yeah. how we perceive ourselves in society because um, gender is a social construction mm-hmm. you know you can basically make gender what you want to and society is what's constructed idea of what it is to be a woman and what it is to be a man whereas the idea of being a man and a woman is actually more to do with sex which is biological mm-hmm. massive difference so why is gender the way it is that's another that could be a long conversation another thought a food for thought yeah think about that <laughs> <laughs> so just to end it that was lauren hills um can't take my eyes off you a beautiful beautiful song mm-hmm. really and it was the beautiful. chocolate lava cake so you're now at the final element of this week's meal and it's actually red wine we've gone on to the alcohol again um so red wine can definitely go with both the spaghetti and the chocolate lava cake but it's also a drink that's incredibly sensuous in itself um so for the red wine we have the beautiful an intimately sexual Sade with her song, No Ordinary Love. (laughs) 
that was Sade's No Ordinary Love. Her smooth vocals is just like the smoothness of the red wine when you're drinking it. So this is an absolutely beautiful song and probably arguably one of my all-time favourites, I'd even say. And I think it just has this beautiful element and effect to the song that it, it, I mean, it does almost make you, (laughs) it almost makes makes you want to be in love, which I think for a song to create is just, I mean, it's just so telling of its power in this, in itself. Um, So I do love it. And, you know, funny enough, my dad once again introduced me to one of my favourite songs. Um, So he introduced me to Sade when I was very young. So I feel quite blessed to have grown up alongside her stunning and almost enchanting music. Um, And this song, it's it's definitely one that just emphasises the beauty and also intimacy of love, but also the sadness and intense emotional aspect. I guess it's quite similar to Winnie Houston's that I just, we looked at. Um, It's got a very different... I'm going to say vibe to it and feel um that I I just it is intense and it's and it's beautiful and it's raw again um Sophie Heward of the Guardian commented the band reached their peak of opulent sound design on the aptly titled album Love Deluxe its seven minute epic of a lead single is as bleak as it is sensual casting heartbreak as the greatest luxury of all so this song was released in 1992 on the album Love Deluxe. Um, and so Sade is a band which was formed in 1982 and it was named after their lead singer Sade Adu. And it's her vocals that we are graced with when listening to the music. And I think the wine, red wine in particular, has that silky feeling that is like No Ordinary Love with this kind of hypnotic effect on the person who's linked listening and it's quite a languid song i'd say and um as he would said it's got this bleakness um to it that does i think what's beautiful is it it does show heartbreak as and i like how she says it's a luxury that one must experience and it um i think what's really nice about that is it's saying that love is is such a beautiful emotion to encounter and to experience as a person that to experience heartbreak means that you have to have experienced a pure love in source and that's such a beautiful statement to make about a song and something that Sade so aptly presents in No Ordinary Love this complete desire and wonder in loving someone to such an extent that even if there is heartbreak that comes with it you've had something and you felt something that someone else may not always experience um which is just I think is absolutely beautiful um and Frank Guan of Vulture added there's nothing like you and I, she sings. The emph- emphasis falls on nothing, no less than on you or I. 
Sade songs at their very best ignore the distinction between songs about flawless love and love betrayed, the promise of the first and the inevitability of the other contained in one another. The softly puncturing bass, the deep sea synths, the chugging, almost accusatory guitar that kinks, kicks in during the pre-chorus, even among other perfect songs, this one stands out. It's the longest song on any of her albums. It's also one you wish would last forever, but it can't just like the love in this title and I think again this this comment just beautifully reflects on the core being of the song and how Sade presents love as it is in all its forms and essence and I mean the title's no ordinary love it's this it's a love that is unique that's raw that's different that's your own and I think I think everyone has probably a no ordinary love one that defines themselves in some way that's I think really really lovely and I think she really creates a sound and a song that presents that love in all its forms as I said and I mean, I could listen to this song on repeat, man. It's such an encapsulating song that is so raw in its being. I think that Red Wine reflects this song perfectly. Not just in the in the sensual colour of the often burgundy hue to the, to the wine, but also the way that the Red Wine kind of... It does it... It warms you up and the taste gives a little buzz but also how it can be a melancholy melancholic drink sometimes in the same way that Sade's No Ordinary Love is I don't want to say melancholy because it's emotional um, and it's reflective it's a reflective song but it's almost a commemorative song almost in a sense of how beautiful um someone's love was with another um how it like can't be created that love can't be created again with another person it's unique to that almost individual um and that time and space and place which i i mean i could go on for time about this song every time I listen to it it does something to me that's just just stunning it's a it's a beautiful song inside and out um the instrumentals the the voice is just so so transforming whilst you listen to it and I absolutely love that about Sade's voice. The whole album, she has just some incredible songs. She has beautiful albums and she has so many as well um, that you have to listen to. And I think this album could definitely, definitely we could definitely look at again in a whole with, a, you know, a separate dish. Um because it's 
it's such a encapsulating album and I'm using I'm using encapsulating again but it really does it it kind of takes you over takes your body over and just how you feel which is really amazing and her voice Sade's voice again is so unique and I think what's really great about the musicians I've looked at, Whitney, Marvin, Sade, they all, but all have these voices that are you can't replicate. I, I haven't heard anything like them since. They're so unique in themselves and so them. Um, that's absolutely just telling off their power and their be- ability as musicians. And I absolutely love that um, about all three of them. But yeah, so Sade's is, you know, very, it's her, it's Sade. It's the moment you hear her come on, you know it's her. It's there's a subtleness and this to her, to the essence of her voice that's so, it, it's so powerful and it really just, it takes you somewhere and it's a very unique place that I think it takes every person um which is also a great thing because you can listen to it and from your own experiences from your own person you can listen to her music and it can remind you of a moment a smell a place and a taste as well and and I think you know no ordinary love is this red wine um i think it's multiple tastes as well which is a beautiful thing it's a velvety it's a velvet taste and i think red wine is very velvety um and so is her voice so you can kind of i think you can put a lot of dishes and taste to her her music and her songs um which is in this versatility that's very beautiful um in the song but so yeah but I think very specifically for No Ordinary Love I it does bring to mind red wine which is very it's perfect for an intimate evening with someone you love or even just yourself to get you into the mood and it's a nice way to I mean it's a nice way to start an evening but it's also just a great way to end an evening and a meal um the kind of smoothness and the silkiness and this lightness and velvet feeling that you get from the red wine and no ordinary love that I think is a perfect way to cap off an evening essentially um so that was Sade's no ordinary love which which um if you can't already tell I do love um so yeah but um again apologies on delay with this podcast um is and i've been completely wrapped up as i said in our dissertation and university work um which is always fun um but to make it up to you all we are planning on releasing two more in this coming week so look forward to that uh and as always we appreciate you listening to this podcast and we just love creating it and 
sharing with you the music and the food that we adore and we love um to give you just like a little taste of something you may not already know or have thought of or yeah essentially that so and that is just a wrap of date night date night literally how exciting was that i hope you guys are feeling warm and fuzzy in your heart as we are we are definitely i've never had such a great valentine's day i know it was valentine's day Day. we have been talking about it for the last week saying how much we hate valentine's day but then actually really excited really loving it It honestly and also like just dressing up as well was so lovely making yourself feel and look brilliant yeah we were looking sexy we were looking fine (laughs) we're looking so good we were looking goddamn fine yeah so anyway this was um really thank you so much for coming on our podcast it was an honor to have you and just ahead um a shout out to all you listeners justanartfanatic.com we'll be basically putting all the link descriptions in our on our instagram Mm -hmm. and obviously when our blog comes out we'll definitely be sharing your blogs along with us and possibly doing more collaborations also follow me on instagram at at justanartfanatic so yeah. I post there every time I put a new blog up. Don't worry, there's not too many because I haven't got much time at the moment, but they're short. And if you want to learn more about art, then I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, if give it def- a look. get stuck in. Yeah. Um, so I hope you guys had a wonderful Valentine's Day. And if not, don't worry. It's not. It's pancake day tomorrow. It's anyway, pancake so day on Tuesday, Tuesday this, of this week. Which I think is far more exciting personally. Yeah. Even though we've already had pancakes. Stuff yourself with pancakes. Just hey? do it. Just do it. <laughs> um so thank you so much we love you all i'm izzy i'm lexi and this is Is if if music music be the food of love. love